What we really don't want in these preschool years is kids sitting, listening to lectures to learn. Story time and puppets or a science lesson where they are free to wander about the cabin, right? They can come and go as they please. This is great. But expecting them to sit and listen and not leave until the lesson is over is really not age appropriate. Definitely sitting and doing rote memorization of any kind or worksheets, drilling letters or numbers or math facts is not age appropriate. Some kids can do it, but it doesn't mean that they should. And research also shows that these small gains early on actually result in lower academic scores by middle and high school. It kills creativity, it kills a love of learning, and it turns learning into a chore early on. And it's really hard to get that desire back once it's been squashed. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. In today's episode, I'm going to cover what to do when we feel like we're falling behind in parenting. I got an email from a mom who's feeling stressed and overwhelmed because she's fallen behind with her six-year-old. Because up to this point, she hasn't implemented any discipline strategy as far as expectations or boundaries for behavior or beginning to build any kind of self-efficacy. And she was wondering where to start. So I think we've all been there as far as feeling like we've fallen behind in parenting in one way or another. I know that I have, and it's hard enough to just stay on top of the basics. And then we add in that each child has individual needs, talents, gifts, desires. Then we have all of our own adult stuff, managing households, jobs, self-care. It's a lot of balls in the air. So we're bound to drop a few from time to time. A few examples I've had in my own life with my kids is, it's been a while ago now, I think about five years ago, I had two kids in swimming and I was running all over town for two kids swimming four days a week in two different locations, different times, and the third wasn't in any activities. Their dad was working an hour away and getting home at 7.30 every night, so I was on my own for after-school chauffeuring. I knew I needed to get him involved in some things. And I was desperately trying to get the other two schedules set and ride sharing with other parents. And then as soon as I would do that, the swim schedule and location would change again. But I was able to get it all under control and get my other son into a couple of activities. Another time was last year when my younger son was really struggling emotionally and I was scrambling to get him into his doctor right away. He was diagnosed with moderate depression and then I was scrambling to find him some mental health care. 
even with all of my experience in child development and family dynamics, this slipped through. I just thought he was going through a rough patch and that he was going to rally. And I just wanted to give it some time. I was spending extra time with him, connecting, taking him out to do things, chatting. But then we just kind of got to this crisis mode a little bit. I mean, it wasn't horrible. We weren't dealing with any self-harm or anything. But I did feel like I should have caught on earlier to how much he was struggling. So I'm going to talk about some common areas where parents fall behind at each age and stage. I'm going to give a roadmap, a bigger picture too, so that you can orient where you are, where you're going, which can also help keep us more on track. So we're going to start with toddlerhood and preschool. What are we focusing on? And what can we let go of too, right? I also see parents put a lot of pressure on themselves to provide experiences and grow skills way earlier than is really necessary and even can be counterproductive. So in these early years, ages two up to five, we're working on a lot of emotion skills. These are the precursors to emotional regulation and solid social skills. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or other podcasts, I've talked a lot about emotion skills, emotional regulation. So you're already familiar with that and a lot of the ways to work on that. We're also focusing on the basics of discipline. Now, remember, discipline means to teach and guide, not to punish. So really, so much of what we do as parents is discipline, even working on emotion skills because we're teaching and guiding in that capacity. But we're also working on the basics of teaching respectful boundaries, respectful communication, expectations, and the basics of personal responsibility. Respectful boundaries during these years are things like keeping everyone safe and are things safe. This also relates right back to those emotion skills. How to express big feelings in ways that aren't harmful to others, like pets and siblings and friends, and to property, like throwing toys and hitting the wall, chipping the wall, or breaking the toy. Curiosity and discovery, though, can also lead to trying behaviors such as writing on the walls that aren't done out of big emotions. It's just like, hmm, this seems interesting. So there's some of that, those boundaries and expectations and rules that we're setting up as well. So expectations during this age are things like cleaning up when we're done with the toys. Now, although this is often with help, especially early on, two, two and a half, we're definitely helping them clean up the toys, helping them make a plan for that. Staying at the table during mealtimes, listening skills and cooperation, like coming to dinner when asked, going to bed when asked, getting shoes on and in the car when asked. Now, this does not mean you should expect it to be perfect or smooth all the time at these young ages. We're laying a groundwork of what our expectations are that will lead to that level of cooperation later on. So at five or six and beyond, with this groundwork, you should see some pretty good cooperation almost all the time at those ages and beyond with things like coming to the table for dinner and getting into the car and getting ready. Right now, I do imagine there's quite a few of you thinking, but okay, I understand we're supposed to be working on this, but how exactly? Or, okay, I have a six-year-old who's not very cooperative and it's so draining because I've been dealing with this for a long time now. I need to know what to do with that, not just that I should be able to expect these behaviors. So this is where we can start with two basic strategies and we get them down really well. Then we can move on to the next strategies that kind of build off of each other because it builds a really solid foundation for good connection and communication and setting good boundaries. So if you've fallen behind and you do have a child who's five or six or up and they're still struggling, it's okay to start with some of the tools that we normally use during preschool years. 
you want to think of it maybe like swimming. If you have a child who starts swim lessons at three and they're proficient at all four strokes by the time they're five, but now you have a five-year-old who can't swim at all yet, you're still going to use the same techniques to teach the five-year-old to be a proficient swimmer. The good news is that they will pick it up faster because when it comes to the swimming, their body is more developed and so they'll pick it up faster. In the case of the emotion skills, their brain is more developed, so they should pick it up faster. So the tools I like to start with are one, two, three magic and the focus on the positive tools. Now I have the full one, two, three magic class on my Your Village YouTube channel. So you can go watch that one there for free. Just go to YouTube and search up Your Village and you can find the one, two, three magic class on that page and watch the whole thing for free. That is a great one to get you started. The focus on the positive, I talk about a lot of those tools in previous podcasts, but I do have a class on the website at Your Village Online if you want to learn those as well. Okay, so preschool, we're laying a foundation for emotion skills and a home with a foundation of positive discipline, which is based on respectful communication, setting healthy boundaries and expectations, and personal responsibility. Now, personal responsibility can vary widely. Some kids will take it and run with it. They are ready to be responsible. They want to be independent. So anything you give them, they will take it and run with it. Others will need a lot more guidance. Either way, we're setting up this foundation for our kids to start the process of becoming independent in the areas such as dressing in the morning and undressing in the evening, brushing their teeth, putting on their shoes when they're asked, cleaning up after themselves, taking some dishes to the table after dinner. This way, it becomes much easier to build upon once kids get into primary or elementary school. They know the expectation. They know how to do some basic tasks. So each new task or skill just gets added on. I know I'm supposed to do some things. I know I'm supposed to help out. This is just another one, and I'm learning this one now. So this gets added on as their abilities grow. Some things to work on by age. And if you've fallen behind, this is totally fine. It just gives a guideline, and you can work to catch up over time. Again, some kids will be way ahead of the curve, and that's fine. Some kids will just start doing some things on their own, or they'll ask to do things and get guidance so they can learn to take it over. My daughter is like this. She wanted to learn how to make her own snacks and cook. So that girl can make all kinds of things, macaroni and cheese and quesadillas, and she can use a pan and make eggs. So some kids will go about it that way. Other kids will kind of drag their feet and not do anything until it's required of them. So here are some things during preschool years. Dressing with help by three years old. This is like help picking out clothes if they need it. Maybe a little assistance, especially if there's snaps or buttons on their pants. Although um, no snaps or buttons are actually better during this time, especially because of the potty training purposes. We want them to be able to get those pants on and off really quickly so they can make it to the potty and not be trying to fumble with those types of things, the, the buttons and the snaps. By four... Dressing the self completely. We're also focusing on giving kids, especially three and a half to four and up, opportunities to engage in play, to develop their social skills, cooperation, sharing of ideas, negotiation, problem solving, and conflict resolution skills. Now, the reason we don't do this earlier or we don't need to do it earlier is kids before the age of about three, they're engaging in parallel play. They are not they don't have the social skills or the cognitive abilities to really recognize other children and be able to engage in cooperative play. 
But this is when it gets really important is around three and a half to four because those cooperative play skills and the creative and those imaginative play skills are absolutely exploding. So we want to give opportunities for that. We're focusing on open-ended play and activities with little to no goal, such as playing at the park, open play with schoolmates or play dates where they can just use their imaginative play skills and develop those imaginative play skills. Now, when my kids were little, we well, it's probably still there, but <laughs> we went to this amazing place. It was actually connected to the local university's child development department, and it was free for the community to come and bring their kids. You walk in and they have all these centers. There's a science center with all kinds of things. They had like magnets. They had bugs in these bug boxes that you could check out. There's a whole bunch of other stuff in the science center. I can't even remember. There's a music center. There was a book area with tons and tons of books, shelves filled with books, a dress up area for imaginative play. There was a big tree in the middle of this big building with it had like a a platform and stairs that went up and a little slide. It was actually a man-made tree. It was not a real tree in the middle of the building. (laughs) There was a puzzle table. There was an art center. There was a building area. There was a train table. There was an outdoor area that had so many areas for play, like a sandbox, a water table, a climbing area. There was a path with different types of materials like rocks, gravel, and bark. And I would take them to this place at least once a week. And it was part of our weekly routine. And I just let them explore, have open-ended play wherever they wanted to go, Whatever they wanted to do, they would just explore to their heart's content. I would play with whoever wanted me to do something with them and interact. But otherwise, I would just let them go to town and they loved it. Next, I'm going to talk about what we're not focusing on in the preschool years, what we can let go, and what we are focusing on for ages 5 to 10 and 11 plus, and what you can do to make a plan to catch up if you feel you've fallen behind in helping them gain these opportunities to learn responsibility and our life skills. I'll get to that right after a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, By Heart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. By Heart is an easy to digest formula, In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. BiHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about BiHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. 
Now that we're back after the break, here are some things that you don't need to be focusing on in these preschool years that will hopefully relieve some pressure and not feel like you have to do so much right now. What we don't need to work on is academics. Now, academic concepts are great and lots of preschools do introduce these, but in fun ways like playing games and fun activities. Learning letters and numbers is fine. Also leaving open-ended play. I remember my son's preschool was, a, well, all three of them went to the same preschool. It was a Reggio preschool. Waldorf is very similar. Montessori also has a lot of this, the play centers where kids can go to. She had all these different centers and the kids could go wherever they wanted. Especially first thing in the morning, they could go and just pick a center and go explore. My son would beeline for the writing table. He wanted to go over. He always wanted to write. He was always asking, how do I write this word? How do I spell this word? Those are great. They will engage in these types of play when they just have the opportunity without needing to be pushed. But learning letters and numbers is also not a must during preschool years either. These ages are so much about gaining solid emotional skills, practicing social skills, fine and gross motor, which can all be done through play. And what studies have shown is that kids who show up to kindergarten with these solid social emotional skills are much more ready to learn and are much more successful in their school career. What we really don't want in these preschool years is kids sitting, listening to lectures to learn. Story time and puppets or a science lesson where they are free to wander about the cabin, right? They can come and go as they please. This is great. But expecting them to sit and listen and not leave until the lesson is over is really not age appropriate. Definitely sitting and doing rote memorization of any kind or worksheets, drilling letters or numbers or math facts is not age appropriate. Some kids can do it, but it doesn't mean that they should. And research also shows that these small gains early on actually result in lower academic scores by middle and high school. It kills creativity, it kills a love of learning, and it turns learning into a chore early on. And it's really hard to get that desire back once it's been squashed. The other thing we aren't focusing on, although it's not a bad thing, so it's fine if you do this, but it's not necessary at all. And that is all the activities at these early ages, the dance classes, the art classes, the sports, and so on. If it's for social interaction, that's great. If your preschooler has been bugging you about an art class or a dance class and wants to learn how to draw or paint or dance, that's great. If you aren't in a preschool program and you want to get more exposure to fine motor, gross motor activities and social interaction, it's great to have the exposure to these and the opportunity for this development, fine motor, gross motor, social and emotional development, cognitive development. For large motor development, the open-ended physical play and exploration is far better for kids five and under, but actually really research has shown for kids seven, eight and under than any organized sports. Five is a peak for competitiveness. There's two reasons. This is the first one, because around age five is the peak for competitiveness. You'll see this in kids a lot. You'll see it in playing games like board games. You'll also see it in their physical play. And they're going to show up. This competitiveness is going to show up anyway, because this is the time they're discovering what they can do, how fast they can run, how far they can jump, how high they can climb how much math they can do, how much they can add. They get very competitive. Some kids will be more than others. You'll see that too. Obviously, like everything, we've got a spectrum. But the competitiveness in sports can actually inflame this in kids who are already competitive by nature. 
and hitting that peak of their competitive drive. And so it can kind of flame that and sort of make it overly pronounced and something that they really hyper-focus on. So waiting until a little bit later to join any kind of team is what most child development experts will recommend. Now, there's plenty of time for competitive sports later on. And what they've found in swimming, in the swimming world for sure, is that just when most kids are starting to hit their stride and they're about to make leaps in their performance, which is around the age of 12 to 13, because they're now in puberty, they've got the emotional capacity to really focus and set goals and drive. A lot of them are quitting. They're burnt out. So they lose a lot of talented athletes because they're pushing them too hard, too young. This is what happened to my son, right? But I don't think he would have done swimming anyway. I don't think it would have mattered. But there was so much pressure for these kids to move up levels so young. And there really wasn't much option. If I said I wanted to hold him back, they really didn't like that. So in primary or elementary school years, ages 5 to 10, we now have kids who have a good base for emotional competence, personal responsibility, respect for boundaries and expectations. We will continue reminding and refining these skills with them throughout the remainder of their childhood because they're not going to be perfect. They're going to bounce back and forth. They're going to have upsets. They're going to act out just like adults. We still do that too. We're tired. We're sick. We had a long day. We're stressed. We act out too. In these years, we are really focusing on independence, teaching life skills and personal responsibility that will lead to the self-efficacy. We're moving them from doing minimal tasks of things like helping clear the table or set the table and clean up after themselves after play and some personal morning and bedtime routine tasks to moving to have them take on more and more tasks so that by the time they're 10, they're able to get themselves up and ready for school without parental intervention, except maybe to cut up some fruit for breakfast, kind of make sure they're getting a healthy breakfast, cut the bagel, that type of thing. But they should be able to make their own lunches, pack up their own bags, and be responsible for any homework, asking for help when needed, or help planning a project if they need. But they really should be pretty self-reliant in the homework area as well by 10, because we're kind of guiding them throughout those years of how they can take that on. We're scaffolding them, which you've heard me use that word a lot in this podcast, I'm sure. We're supporting them just as much as they need, and then we're backing off slowly and letting them take over. So by 10, they should have this down. Or having them take on tasks around the home, like caring for pets, putting dishes away, putting groceries away, making simple snacks and helping with meals. We're also working on giving opportunities for them to develop their individual talents and interests, things like sports, the arts, business, animals, science, history, you name it, whatever your child is showing a propensity for. We're going to do what we can to help them develop those interests and talents. Now, they may try something and not love it. And then try something else. They may love something for a while and then grow bored of it. Or they may gravitate and stick like glue to something indefinitely. All of these are normal. But allowing the exploration will help them discover their interests and talents. And even potentially, depending on what it is, the direction they may want to take as a career later on. Between after school options and summer camps, there are lots of years to explore lots of different things. If you have a child who you feel is falling behind in their level of responsibility from where you feel they could be more capable, or you feel like they're not getting the opportunities to develop their individual interests and talents like I was having early on around the age of eight with one of my kids, you want to make a plan to start working towards that. So with 
extracurriculars, that's pretty easy. We're going to make a plan. We're going to figure out what they want to try. We're going to set it up. We're going to figure out where it fits in the schedule. We're going to get it done. If we feel like they're falling behind in their responsibility and we want to start giving them more responsibility, we're going to make a plan to start giving them some stuff more slowly. Start with the easier stuff, the tasks that we maybe feel like they should have been doing at four or five. Start giving them a couple of those, one to two new things every week or two. You have time. If we give them too much, you'll get an overwhelmed and anxious child who will then likely relapse and become less responsible. If their go-to is screens, and so they're spending so much time on screens that they're not spending time doing their responsibilities, you can start limiting screen time through your router or apps or the device itself. You can limit by certain hours during the day so they can't get on until four o'clock or five o'clock. So they've got this time after school to get some things done or get their homework done. Or you can limit the total time so you can make sure they're finishing the dishwasher or lunch is made for the next day or the room is clean before they can get on. But don't use rewards. You don't want to offer pizza night out in exchange for finishing the bedroom because this is an extrinsic reward. It works against the internal motivation to want to become independent, to be in charge of what they get to eat for lunch tomorrow or having clean clothes ready in the drawer for school tomorrow instead of a pile of dirty laundry and nothing to wear. We want them to have intrinsic motivation. If they're doing a great job all around for several weeks or a month and you just want to recognize it, that's fine. It's not attached to any one specific thing. It's not like they finally clean their room and then you're like, finish your room today and I'll take you out for pizza. Well, it's very attached to that one thing. And then the next time they do their room, what do they expect? So it continues to be attached to that external motivator. But if we're doing it as an overarching attitude that they have brought their way of showing up for themselves, the way that they've just become very responsible and have been doing things without being asked and without being nagged, taking them out or doing something nice is not going to undermine that. So as an example, we did this just last week. We took our oldest son out to dinner because he is just killing it all over the place. He's in eighth grade right now. So he's getting ready to go into high school next year. He was moved into algebra one. He's been getting 100% on all the quizzes. He didn't complain about moving, even though the other math class was a lot easier. He didn't know any of the kids in Algebra 1, but he took it in stride and he's really enjoying it. And he's getting 100% in science. He's actually getting 100% in everything as far as I'm aware. And then we went to a presentation about the IB Diploma Program, which is an international baccalaureate diploma program, which is a very rigorous high school program where they leave school with up to a full year of college credit under their belt depending on how they score on their exit exams. So they can earn up to a full year of credit. If they don't do as well in the exams, they can earn like half a year of credit. So he's all on board to jump into this program. Like this is what he wants to do. He's practicing his violin every day. He's moving up in tennis. He has been signed up to do his first tournament in a couple of weeks. So dinner out at his favorite Mexican place so he could get his favorite carne asada burrito was definitely in order. So... The tween and teen years are a continuation of what we've been working on in these ages five to 10, continuing to add to their responsibilities. So by 15 to 16, they should definitely be choosing their own bedtimes. Gentle reminders are good, especially if they have trouble getting up, but they may need to feel the pain of being really tired in the morning if they stay up too late because you won't be there to get them up for class or work in a few years. So it's good practice. 
Also practice with money. This actually starts earlier, around eight or nine. They earn money or they just get an allowance and they do jobs as part of the family. But this is so that they have something to practice with. So my daughter asked us last night if we could give her money for the Kona ice truck after school on Friday. And I said, no, I just gave her her allowance. And I said, you get to decide how you want to spend it. Well, she didn't want to spend it on that. And I said, well, then I guess you just decided that it's not worth your money. Because money has more meaning when it's our money, when it's money you earn versus spending someone else's money. So kids need practice at how they want to spend their money and need to decide, is this worth my money or not? These are great lessons. Do I want to save up for something bigger or do I just want to spend it, you know, at the candy cart? In tween and teen years, we're really focusing on moving them towards being ready to run their own lives 100%. We're giving them that kind of freedom during these last couple of years. All their own laundry, knowing how to read a recipe and cook a meal doesn't mean they're doing it every night, but they need to know how. So maybe they're doing it once every other week or once a week. They need to know how to read a recipe, plan grocery shopping. They need to understand credit cards and budgets. We're giving them financial responsibility, things like gas, car maintenance, haircuts, outings with their friends, and those types of small things so that they can learn how to do a budget and stick to a budget. It's hard to tell your kid you aren't giving them money when they ran out and their friends are all going out tonight, but it's an important lesson. They'll figure out really fast how to budget better or make more money or hopefully both. But if we give them money, they're just gonna be like, oh, mom and dad will bail me out next time. So I don't really need to be responsible with my money. The other thing we're working on these years is helping them plan for their future. So these are things like, are they gonna go to college? If so, then what does that mean for high school? What type of high school program are they going to do if you have an option? But that means working hard on grades, making grades a priority, making the what classes they choose a priority. Um, are they, do they just want to start their own business? Do they want to just go and work for a couple of years? Do they want to go into something else altogether different and have no interest in college? We're going to help them decide what is the path for them forward and then helping them plan for that. Because we are the ones that have all this experience. So we're really going to help them build that and see that path forward to where they want to go. And it's okay if they change their mind too. We're going to help them pivot. We've all pivoted in life many, many times, I'm sure. I have a bachelor's degree in computer science. I was a programmer when I started out. I got a master's degree in psychology. I was going to um, run my own therapy practice. And as I was working towards finishing up my therapy license, I realized it was a very difficult job and it was like doing surgery with people's emotions. And so I switched to doing more prevention work and helping parents the way that I do now. We've all pivoted. Our kids are going to pivot. So we're going to help them do that. I want to touch really quickly on the issue I dealt with with my son struggling emotionally because these types of things will pop up from time to time. Emotional struggles. You'll find out your child has some sort of learning disability. There'll be so many things that could potentially pop up and it's always seems to be at the most inopportune times. And then we get busy and we don't notice what's happening sometimes. And we think, I should have seen this sooner. Like I did. I felt like I should have seen it sooner. But we had just moved. It was the middle of COVID. We had gotten a separation. There was so much going on. But once you notice, we're going to take the first step of getting the plan rolling. So whatever it is that we need to do that we're working on. Then if it's uncharted territory for you, like it was for me, of trying to find counseling for a child with depression in a new town during a pandemic, When I've been told that everybody's booked out for six months, you're going to ask around. You're going to keep asking. Don't stop asking until you get a workable answer. You're going to ask your friends. 
You're going to get on social media. You're going to ask in groups. There were some great groups that I joined down here in San Diego when we moved. And I asked everywhere. And then I asked the school. And that was our answer. They actually have a counselor at the school. We were so lucky that was able to take him in and start working with him. And he is doing amazing today. He is so happy. It just, oh, I'm so relieved to see him so happy. That's really what we, the most that we want for our kids, right? Seeing them happy and moving towards their future. So where we really do have to get caught up is by 16 to 17, because then we're running into the end of the rope. So it's important to get on track earlier. It's important to get those things rolling if you feel like you're falling behind. But falling behind from time to time is definitely par for the course. Having a six-year-old who you're behind setting up a foundation of positive discipline or boundaries, it's a great time to get started. You still have time. The bad habits aren't too ingrained yet. It won't take long at all to get things turned around. Now, the older kids get, the more they will push back. The longer we have a habit, the harder it is to change. So both for us as parents, because these are our habits, parenting habits, as well as their habits and the way that they react and, and live and do life, right? Their patterns. So when you do change the way that you parent, you change your expectations, you change your approach, you want to be patient, expect some pushback because they're thinking, this is not the way we've been doing things and I don't like it, right? They're kind of being forced to change. So they're going to do what they can to test your new approach. So stay resolute. Make sure you are really solid with the skills and the tools so you know exactly what the steps are. And you're going to remind yourself, you're going to stay the course because they will greatly benefit from it. Well, not just down the road, but they'll benefit from it very soon. Family life will be smoother. They will become more responsible and they will grow up and they will be much happier, successful, more responsible people. So I know this was a lot in this episode today. And there are so many areas I could have dug into much deeper, but I also feel like the big picture episodes can be really helpful too, because they really give us a roadmap of where we are and where we're going. And we can start to see the forest for the trees. If you want more information on any area that you're struggling with, like raising responsible kids, getting kids to listen, power struggles, setting up positive discipline, bedtimes, homework, finding a preschool, over 60 classes on the website at yourvillageonline.com. Also, my new podcast is up. I, it has been up for three or four weeks now. I'm now on episode seven, and it is about overcoming the limitations we put on ourselves that keep us stuck in life. If you're in the midst of change or you're wanting to make a change and aren't sure where to start, it's called Aaron Royer Presents Minding the Gap. So if that's of interest to you, I hope you'll check it out. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.